warning! The Bone Bad Joe is intended for adults only and contains bad words and other yucky stuff that may make some people very angry. So watch out! Hey Meowians, this is Beaker from Nerdcore Meow. And if you like the Bone Bat Show, make sure you check out Nerdcore Meow Podcast at nerdcoremeow.com, the best nerdcore music podcast on the net. For the Bone Bat Podcast, where you can listen to Steve and Gord. It's a kick-ass digital broadcast where we've got dick jokes galore. Bone Bat. Hey, this is Adam Warrock, and you are listening to the Bone Bat Show. Look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's. A strong man it comes a realizing a power in one's hand. One day the man is faced with one fate and placed within the story a path that one takes. And so starts the hero, hands shaking at first, who stumbles upon a power and takes upon a curse and keeps his secret safe and holds back the pain. And those around him can't understand the sudden change. But the burden lies the heaviest, the broad of the shoulders, because heroes can move mountains while people can keep them sober. And so the day will come when the city needs a light, and thus the hero rises out the dead of the night. And men will fight men, and demons will stay bottled and harm to earth's stem. And praise will be throttled. And so he stands alone, and now he sees the way that his life is not the same, and he's dealing with the absolute truth, power, and wisdom. It's all about a hero and the power he's given. When face to face with life, which side will he take? Because the difference in a hero and the villain is the absolute truth, power, and wisdom. It's all about a villain and the plans that he's spinning. When the people need a hero to come and save the day, then the difference in the hero and the villain is the absolute truth, power, and wisdom. It's all about a hero and the power he's given. When face to face with life, which side will he take? Because the difference Responsibility and life is ever changing, so people forget the memory. And after the thrill of battle has faded to black, what's left is just a boy who wants his life back. And still, he finds solace, and though he goes alone, and soon he finds others who help him feel at home. And together they stand, but the threat level is higher, so the evil that they face also starts to conspire. When the battle hits home, and he's faced with a choice, because this time will test him more than what he's faced to this point. But within a hero finds a power greater than that, and he comes forth and still leaves his spirit intact. And deep within his eyes, still rest the same.
the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane Not sad I'm more rock, but everything has changed Holding the mic, all the people are saying There's an evil going on, and it's coming with the absolute truth Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane Not sad I'm more rock, but everything has changed Holding the mic, all the people are saying There's an evil going on, and it's coming with the absolute truth Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane Not sad I'm more rock, but everything has changed Holding the mic, all the people are saying There's an evil going on, and it's coming with the absolute truth Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane Not sad I'm more rock, but everything has changed Holding the mic, all the people are saying There's an evil going on, and it's coming with the absolute truth Power and wisdom, it's all about a hero and the power he's given When face to face with life, which side will he take? Cause the difference in a hero and the villain is the absolute truth Power and wisdom Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 89 of the Bone Bad Show. This is Steve. And this is Gord. How's it going, man? I'm jumpy, Steve. Jumpy? I'm I'm jumpy. Why is that? Because I was nearly assassinated. (laughs) You? Yes. I'm pretty sure it was PETA's fault. (laughs) I said some brother kind things about PETA. You did kind of send a shot across their bow last week, I guess. I did. And they, they shot right back. Okay, explain. Uh, I, I swear to God, I am not making this up. Saturday afternoon, here in my hometown, hanging out with two friends, minding our own business, not killing any animals, and a gigantic... But it was a drone strike. That's what it was. It was a drone strike. <laughs> okay. One of those great big gliders, like with the big eight-foot wingspan radio control glider, like just the, out of nowhere. The balsa wood ones with the rubber band, that type of thing? Well, balsa wood, yeah, but no, with like an electric motor in it to get it up higher, and then batteries and radio control componentry, and probably, probably an explosive payload that didn't detonate. <laughs> that sounds quite deadly. Yeah, right, boom, right into the street, right behind us. Holy shit. It killed us all. I'm living in fear now. <laughs> you shouldn't have crossed PETA. I guess not. They've got drones. They're not terribly effective, but... <laughs> like PETA. That would have hit me. That would have... Now, I could have got a real yeah. abrasion. I don't think it was PETA, though. If they had actually been trying to get you, you would have got got. It really? would have been a dead rat up the tailpipe, because they are all <laughs> about the poetic justice, that PETA. I'm not going to fall for the dead rat up the tailpipe. <laughs> No, so, hey, listen, if you're listening to the show and on Saturday you lost a gigantic freaking glider, I have it. Um, <laughs> I'd like to talk to you about it. I think perhaps the way you're operating this vehicle was unsafe. And perhaps some responsible adult supervision would be in order next time you decide to fly it or try to take somebody out with it, depending on your intentions. <laughs> you're like our high school civics teacher. You're going to keep it until somebody fesses up? What the yes, hell? That's right. <laughs> that's ridiculous. Hey, you know what? You should face in my garage, too. So I hope somebody you should give it to the same guy you gave the quadcopter to. The one that you tried to work all Christmas and couldn't get it running, and so you gave he it away? He was with me when it happened. That's the scary thing. <laughs> oh, it's the same guy? That's funny. Yeah. He's like, how random is this? <laughs> we should have just given it to him right there. Well, I, I honestly thought it I mean, you must have looked really stupid riding so home I... with this huge glider on your bike. <laughs> <laughs> I put up some signs. I put up an ad on Craigslist and in the paper, you know, hey, you know, I, I've got your glider if you want it back. So I wasn't just going to, like, it, it probably cost, I don't know, hundreds of dollars and took a lot of work to make. It's 
scary as hell if it's attacking you. <laughs> All right, man. Well, on that note, why don't we talk a little bit about this episode's musical guest? Hey, let's do that. This episode, we've got nerdcore rapper Adam Warrock joining us on the show. We kick things off this episode with Absolute Truth from Adam's 2010 debut, The War for Infinity. And we have a lot more great music for you coming up, in addition to a chat with the man himself. He actually, once a year, does a little bit of a fundraiser, and that's coming up this week. So uh, if you dig some of the music, I would suggest that you pop by his website and throw him a few bucks for support. Because as you know, we like to keep these independent musicians making more music. That's right, Rabbit. All right. Why don't we do what we usually do about this time? Gord, what pisses you off? Besides PETA attempting to assassinate me? Besides PETA attempting to assassinate you. I got so much. I have so much that pisses me off. First of all. <laughs> so much hate. I've got so much hate. I was able to shower this morning, though. I think we should make, so actually, hate. make that shirt on Cafe Press or something. I've got so much hate. The Bone Bad Show. Yeah. And then on the back, you can say, you know what pisses me off? <laughs> no, first of all, if... Long-time listeners will know that several episodes back, what pissed me off was that I was getting just a whole bunch of different bills from the hospital for a uh, little hospital visit that we had with the family. Still, still getting new hospital bills. Still, there are different groups, different people, different organizations within the hospital that are still taking their turn to send a bill. Why you can't get just one bill for going there is beyond me. But they're... They're not even using words anymore. They're just slamming together letters and numbers and mailing them to us. Can't flip and believe it. I, I don't even understand. <laughs> I, and th- I'm not even like disputing the payment or anything. It's just like, yeah, there's, there's a guy down in the basement that uh, was to clean the mop afterwards. And now he's sending us <laughs> candy stripers. Candy stripers. I got the candy stripe bill. Yeah, good, good. And it's always very confusing. It's like the candy stripe bill was $86.72. Your insurance is paying $84.79, and you owe $100. Bedpan Manufacturers Union. <laughs> yeah, the math doesn't even just. <laughs> Speaking of bills. You're through the uh, rabbit hole there, my friend. We get into so, medical yeah, billing. We're going to get a rabbit hole bill next. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Yeah, you know what else pisses me off? What's that? I took my phone swimming. <laughs> yeah, I turned a, I turned an HTC Incredible into a pool toy. <laughs> you know, it wasn't one of those episodes where you, you, you get in the pool and go, oh, no, I got my phone in my pocket. Oh, no. No, it was like 20 minutes later, getting out of the pool, drying off, and, hey, what's this in my pocket? Oh, <laughs> So you're luxuriously doing the backstroke back and forth in the pool with your cell phone in your pocket. You, sir, are a genius. Yeah, I'm an idiot. <laughs> there was so much water in this thing, you could see it through the screen. You like turn it, and it would you could make it splash inside. It was amazing. Aww. So I I took the whole thing apart and like poured water out, and left it, and took the battery out immediately, which you can't do with an iPhone. And I let it just cook in the sun, and it was just wrecked. I went and got another phone, set it all up, and went to charge the the old big battery from my old phone using my uh, old phone. So I wanted to put it in the new phone. 
When I did that, my old phone, the one that had been drowned, the one that had been pronounced dead by both me and the phone store, booted right back up. Lazarus. Yes, it's the Lazarus phone. So did you return the other phone or would you? No, they won't take it back. (laughs) So I have an extra phone now. Not after you've downloaded your filthy, filthy porn into it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> can't have a phone without porn what's the point of having a phone that's like Jeez. a monkey without a dildo right. what? <laughs> it's like a clown without blood stain on its suit it's just really getting dark well dude you know what pisses me off what? my computer uh, I did you tell. go swimming with your computer I in your pocket? I did not, but uh, the listeners of this show have no idea the blood, sweat, and tears that go into making the Bone Bat show sometimes. The oh, last six months, the recording program has slowly been imploding. It's like we'll be recording, and all of a sudden we'll get all this static, and we have to stop and call each other five times to get a, a decent line again. And it's just been brutal, so... Before this week, I wanted to have, you know, a nice, clean setup to interview Adam Warrock. And so I deleted my recording program off. I deleted all the stuff that I use, and I did a clean, fresh install. And so after I've done all that, I go to reboot the computer, and I'm checking everything out. Everything sounds perfect, just pristine. I I run up iTunes. That sounds good. Windows Media Player. That sounds great. Even watch a YouTube video, and it all sounds perfect. I open up the recording program and play a little bit of the last episode. Sounds great. I turn on Skype, nothing. Go back to iTunes, nothing. So evidently, Sonar Home Studio had killed every other sound-making program on the computer. Now, this show cannot be done without... There can be only one. ...without Skype. Yeah, it was like the fucking Highlander of sound software. Just insane. And so I spent the better part of the last two days just trying to get this program stable enough to record this fucking show. I'm so pissed off at my computer. I don't know what to do about it. And between this show and the next show, I've got to figure out a solution because this is untenable. How are we actually recording it now? It sounds like you got it fixed and functional. I doubled up the string between us. Twice the string, (laughs) twice the bandwidth. Wow. Don't cross the streams. No, I won't do that. All right, why don't we listen to a tune now? Let's. From Adam Warrock's brand new singles collection, which you can get this week at adamwarrock.com. This is one for Gord. I'm going to do science to it. Thanks. Technological variant, science, realism, and fictional told characters. Psychological, cybernetic, artifactual flow. Hating with a brush, so like now you know. I seen this girl named Kamiko, and yo, she was I and me while watching the historical pre enactment society. Matter of fact, it's something stranger than that. Her friends were in the back, these twins of Tokomak. They acted like they never ever seen a steam power cyborg from the future, powered from a mic core. I spoke and they ignored my serialized port. I bolted from the stand and they chased me from the store. And the Lightning struck twice, kinda in the same place And it fried my motherboard, and it froze me in my place And I blacked out, and the last thing that I heard Was Kamiko standing over me and saying these words Boy, I'ma do science to it Dressing Boy, I'ma do science to it Dressing I woke in tiny car, Young was asking me questions 
Ages my RAM was cleaned out, no memory retention. Now I look down and had a cybernetic leg and a mechanized eye with some metal in my head. And I said, What the hell, yo, what's going on here? And I spoke so loud they had to cover up their ears. Cause my vocal cords were reinforced with sonic boom blasters, and the Doppler effect was moving around the room faster. They told me I was from the future, a higher being, evolution juiced up from future rap producer. With just then, the ceiling caved in as three men tried to overtake them. Kamiko started racing to grab the nearest phaser as the twins started pummeling shots of heat wave blast. The men were fighting back. When just then, Kamiko turned and asked me to help. A glint caught my eye as I said to myself, Girl, I'ma do science to it. Dressing colors Girl, I'ma do science to it. I opened my mouth and I started to speak And Kamiko grabbed a box and she soaked up a beat And I pushed back the roof when I dropped these rhymes And the ground started shaking and the earth started quaking And we saw the clouds gather and heard the thunder crack And my flow kept expanding and everyone fell back With the impact, my voice had opened up a wormhole Sucked up the house and everyone else whole And the molecules began to decompose without a sound And the earth started spinning the other way around And we watched it as it spread wide and caused a supernova so the Forces were in conflict, burning the implosion I could feel my parts becoming undone As nuts and bolts came loose And I could feel my body start to lose the mold And Kamiko let go of my hand and lost her soul The last words in history that ever were told I will do science to it I will do science to it Random contact and adding more right for 2010 You internet suckers All right, once again, that was Adam Warrock with I Will Do Science To It from his brand new singles collection that you can find at www.adamwarrock.com. And joining us right now is the man himself. How you doing, Adam? What's going on? Thanks for having me on. Thanks so much for joining us on the show. I appreciate you taking the time, man. Yeah, yeah. We have that east to west coast time difference. <laughs> but luckily, yeah. I don't have to wake up at any particular time, so... Late night interviews are fine with me. You know, late night as in like 11. I guess I'm an old man at heart. Oh, I know, I'm man. I'm an old man in body. <laughs> if a movie lasts longer than about 11.30 now, I start falling asleep. It is pathetic. When Steve and I go like see a movie together, I always bring a Sharpie so I can draw a mustache on it. <laughs> <laughs> that is the sign of getting older because it seems like only in the last couple, like year or two, every time me and my friends see a movie, we're always like... I liked it, but it was like 20 minutes too long. And I used to feel like that's something that like older people used to say. And like I would be all for a movie being like two hours, 20 minutes. And now it's like, oh, I wish it was a little shorter so I could get out of there sooner and get home. <laughs> I know what you mean, man. Well, I think I mentioned on the show earlier that I caught you playing in town here. Uh, you and Death Star opening for Kirby Crackle earlier this year. And right. uh, had a great show. It was fun to chat with you there. And uh, that was when I started kind of hearing a little more about your story, which is fairly interesting. Now, you actually had a, a real job as a lawyer, and you gave that up to become a nerdcore rapper, man. <laughs> the nerdcore probably came unbeknownst to me, which I'm sure we'll talk about <laughs> to some degree. But uh, I did have a job as a lawyer. Let me, let me explain really quickly. Like, Please do. That, yeah, tell people your story because it, it's pretty cool. You know, it's, well, I, I'll tell a story, but I was going to explain that people hear like, that you go to law school and you become a lawyer and people think it's this impressive thing. But it's more telling of just a person's ability to withstand pain, you know, like mm -hmm. a pain threshold. Because if you just like suffer through those three years and then the standardized tests, like 
I'm pretty sure like most people could get through it. So <laughs> it's not this like highfalutin job as people, I'm sure a lot of people think it is. It was a glorified paper pushing job. But I guess that's why I quit because I was so miserable in this office just pushing paper and copying and pasting things into templates and boilerplate and arguing with people on the phone. It's like the worst customer service job in the world. <laughs> <laughs> you see, that's the opposite of what I thought. I always pictured it as like the firm starring Adam Warrock. And you were like, fuck you, mafia. I'm going to rap. I will say like law school. So, okay, to go back, I went to law school and, and law school itself is like, you know, there's like a very high barrier to get into because of the costs and like you take you know, the LSATs. And then once you're in law school, like there is this weird way of like you having to figure out this new system. Because mm -hmm. like you have one test each semester. That's your grade. And it's very competitive. And then, like, it's it's really rewarding because I really do feel like going to law school taught me how to be, like, a smarter, more hardworking person. And weirdly, without it, I don't think I would have been as successful at being a rapper, which I know has no seeming correlation there. <laughs> but um, I enjoyed the schooling part of it. It's the job part of it that was very, like, copy and pasting and emailing people and asking them to send you spreadsheets so you can read numbers. And there's a lot of toxic people in it. So when I was working... I really didn't like my boss, and um, I started uh, making music online, just posting it on this website, and a couple things started blowing up, and I started getting all these opportunities to do shows or do you know more work, mm -hmm. and I couldn't do it because I had this full-time job that I was supposed to be dedicating a lot of time to, and I started trying to do both, and I would come to work without like ironing shirts and shaving and <laughs> without sleeping, and I'm sure my bosses thought I had developed this nasty coke habit. <laughs> And I started to kind of just make my plan to quit and do something else instead. I was going to do it like in a year later, but I had a bad day where my boss was being a jerk to me and I just kind of was like, I quit and I just left and did it very impulsively. So uh, <laughs> did you do it in a rap though? Did you deliver an I quit rap? Because that would have been amazing. No. Oh, I did write a song called Yes, I Quit. I posted it up, but it was more like to the fans of the website to explain what was going on. Mm -hmm. But I didn't tell them what I was going to do. I lied. And I just said, I'm going to do some web stuff. Which, like, that's what you say to older people so they'll stop asking you questions because they don't know what to ask you, you know? Like, right, yeah. yeah. I'm going to do something on the web with web stuff or whatever. Web design. I'm going to AOL. Yeah, exactly. So my story, all my friends who were lawyers were law students. They sent my story to this, like, legal website that's, like, this big, huge Gawker-based like website called Above the Law. I think it's Gawker. I might have that wrong. But um, it's called AboveTheLaw.com and it's like this tabloid that like every lawyer reads because they post like gossip and who's getting fired and what firms are failing and who how much people make. Mm -hmm. And it's this horrible site. Uh, it's not a horrible site. There's horrible commenters on it, but they're everywhere. But it's this site that's like, you don't think you need to read it, but like everybody just seems to read it every single day. And um, they ran a story on me and that's how my old bosses found out what I'm doing now. And I always kind of laugh. I haven't talked to them since. And I always laugh because if they asked me why I didn't tell them, I would have been like, what would you have said if I had told you the plain truth of what I was doing? You would have thought that I'd lost my mind. But yeah, and that's the story. And that was uh, at the end of this month, it'll be two years of doing music full time. And it's been about maybe three to four years of doing music completely. So I did used to have a job and now I am a struggling, starving, independent artist. So it's way more fun, even though I'm way more broke. <laughs> but I love the fact, you know, it's absolutely a pursuing your dream story. 
And that's what's cool about it, you know, that you were kind of brave enough to go out and, and do what you wanted to do. And I think a lot of folks can respect that. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, when I first quit and I started doing music, I used that narrative as like a way to get attention or distinguish myself to get promo or whatever. And I don't talk about it really as much anymore. Way to go, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I don't have a problem. I'm just, it just never comes up. But like, I never really thought of it like that. I was, it was more just like, I was so miserable Mm -hmm. to, to a very destructive degree. I think that it took me a long time to realize that I was legitimately depressed and that I was like drinking a lot, you know, by myself and <laughs> was not going out as much and was not in a good mood and was always like feeling bad. And music is really what helped me get better. And it's pretty much just me choosing to do the thing that makes me feel better it's, it's this like hedonistic thing to me so like i'm glad that people take inspiration from it and it means a lot to me but at the same time it's kind of like well i probably would have done something like this at some point because i would have lost my mind if i stayed at that job sure sure well in, in only two years you've been super prolific one of my favorite quotes about you is from our friend jess at death star he says Adam Warrock releases a new song every time he thinks about music, which I thought just kind of <laughs> perfectly encapsulates your approach, you know? It's funny because it, it's awesome, but at the same time, it, it makes it weird when I have to work with producers. <laughs> because, <laughs> like, I think only Michael Kill of the Thought Criminals in North Carolina can keep up with me. Like, that's kind of why we became really close is because we're both really quick, but... I feel weird when I don't make music and I make more music than I release, you know, like I have tons of stuff that I don't post online because I just get bored and I want to go make a song about something. And <laughs> like, I don't understand people who take so long to make music because with me, I'm already onto the next thing by the time I finish writing a song I haven't even recorded in my brain and I just want to get it out of me like a demon or something. <laughs> and then the funny thing is, is that there are a lot of people who sometimes think that I, I post too much music or I've been told by people who try to advise me on how to do web business that uh, it's really daunting to see all the music that I have on my site. And I'm always like, well, I don't care. You can hop on the train at whatever stop and just understand that from that point forward, you will get a lot of music and you don't have to go back and listen to anything old. Like, don't worry about it because like that stuff's all done with. And like from here on out, we're going to have a good time. I kind of always envisioned the site to be like this constantly evolving live show, mm -hmm. you know, that you just kind of see happen and things change on the site. And like, I never understood that because people always like, oh man, you know, it's so hard to download all these MP3s individually. And I'm like, don't worry about it. You'll get, you'll get plenty from here on out. Trust me. I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. At least I hope not. So. And it's interesting because you've kind of, in a way, I think, spearheaded a new approach that that I've seen now. I think Kirby Crackle has kind of picked it up and Random is doing the same thing where it's, a, you know, a smaller bucket and more times to the well. You've got new music coming all the time as opposed to waiting two years to release a magnum opus. And it, it keeps things fresh. It obviously gives you music to take on tour with you that's fresh all the time. It just kind of keeps things moving in a different sort of way, which makes sense in a world where, frankly, people aren't buying full albums anymore. They're buying a song on iTunes. They're buying things one at a time anyway. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it has nothing to do with music. I know, I mean, those guys all, like, I think they were doing it before me, to be fair. Maybe, like, mostly random, because Kirby Crackle, as a band, it's so much harder because you have to play instruments and track instruments and have studio time and mm -hmm. have multiple people doing it. With a rapper, you can just, you know, do it yourself. But I think a lot of it has to do with just, like, a web experience rather than albums or versus singles or music. Because 
the way it is is that like you have this website and you have you ask people to come to this website and then they'll like peruse it if they even get that far and you just want to keep hitting them with content that is interesting in some novel or unique or like individualistic way and you have to understand that like there's so much content out there that's completely free online that to stay relevant or to have a committed fan base you have to just keep giving them content i don't begrudgingly do it i would probably be doing this anyway even if nobody was listening because i would have fun just goofing around and making stupid songs and doing it so fast lets me be like south park something can happen and i can immediately make a song about it <laughs> and post it up and then we can talk about it because that's the way that i blog it's like instead of writing articles or essays i just make a song and have a discussion about it through that right yeah when i when i saw your downton abbey single i was just like holy shit that was quick everybody <laughs> was talking about that that week it was like penny arcade gabe and taika were talking about that they had been watching it and bam you had a song and it was just amazing that you were just on it yeah, but it's more because I try to like absorb as much pop culture as possible. Mm -hmm. People ask me, they're like, how do you decide what to do songs about? And how do you know what people will connect with? And I usually tell them that like, I don't know what people will connect with. I just do songs about stuff that I'm into. And I am as big a nerd and pop culture devourer as everyone else. So I watch all this stuff. Like I read all these comics. I play all these video games and like... I think it didn't used to be like that. I think like artists and fans used to be very separate in their interests. And I think now because like the indie slash amateur creator landscape is very different that everyone's more the same. And so like you just have this talent to make music or draw or write that you're going to relate to people based on the fact that like you're part of that discussion and that pool. If it works at all, it works because it would have worked on me, you know? <laughs> right, yeah. Like if I found an Adam Warrock site... And I like the same things that he was posting about. I'd be like, this is awesome. And I'm going to listen to this all the time. It's just kind of like a very natural thing. And I love the fact that also it's a lot of different types of things. You know, as a fan of Justified, wow, there's a Justified song. That's awesome. They, oh, there's a Game of Thrones song. That's really cool, too. And there's a Chuck Klosterman song. Holy shit. I mean, <laughs> it's like you're hitting kind of a wide array of different touchstones, which also makes it fun for a fan like myself. Well, Chuck Klosterman was a big influence. It was like Chuck Klosterman and Jonathan Colton were two really big influences when I started doing music the way I do it now. It's funny, with comic books, like take comic books for example. I read comic books all through until I went to college. And then for some reason, and like I think a lot of fans go through this, when you get to college, you're like, I'm not going to read comics anymore. I'm not going to play video games as much anymore. Like, because you're like, I'm going to go party or whatever. Like, you're busy doing other things. And like three or four years later, you go back and you're like, oh man, I kind of miss comic books. I kind of miss video games. <laughs> you start playing them like way more than you used to. And Chuck Klossman was a big thing that made me realize that like, you go through this pretentious phase where you want things to be meaningful and you want to feel smart. And you want to read Jack Kerouac. You want to like be artsy. And then... When I read Sex, Drugs, and Cocoa Pubs, it was the first time that I was like, oh, I can watch crappy TV and it can be as meaningful to me as watching old black and white movies. So <laughs> I don't like ever since then, I don't apologize for it because and like look at what the state of culture now. It's like it's so completely weird that TV is such a highly praised medium. There's like graphic novels that win literature awards and it's, it's this nice mashup of like this generation that grew up being told you can't read comic books, you shouldn't read this, you shouldn't watch these stupid TV shows, and now they're making it, and they're making it better. And I think that's the cool thing about it. So 
Klosterman and Colton were two guys that made me realize that like nerdy stuff could be like meaningful. You know, <laughs> absolutely. Well, one of the other things that when you were here and playing in Seattle, you tend to close your sets with the tune "Starving Artist." And oh yeah, I used to. Oh, you, you stop. Well, one of the things in Seattle, because that is the hook from Temple of the Dogs, Hunger Strike, and everybody yeah. goes apeshit when you play that here. I mean, just talking about it kind of gives me tingles a little bit. I totally forgot about the Seattle connection. Yeah, I that's such an awesome song that. to hear here. Yeah, and then when I was talking to you about that, you were like, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. I love that song. I've always loved that song. Such a great hook. And, and that song kind of talks about your philosophy, and that leads into what you're doing this week as well. So let's talk about that. Yeah, sure. Uh, so I guess as of June 25th through July 2nd, I'm doing uh, my annual donation drive every year around June 30th, because June 30th, 2010 was the last day of work. I do a donation drive where I just release a ton of music and I ask people to donate because I don't really have a donate button up on my site and I don't do fundraisers for anything. I've never done a Kickstarter. Everything I do, I pay for out of pocket. I have nothing against those things. The way that my site is run, it doesn't make sense to constantly ask people for money to just post up mixtape style songs. Right. And then I'll sell merch, I'll sell albums, and then I'll go on tour. But once a year, I ask people to donate. And to everybody who donates, regardless if you donate a dollar or you donate $100, everyone will get the same donor package. The donor package is going to be a new mixtape album. It's like 12 tracks. You'll get the singles LP that's on my Bandcamp page with a new track that's never been released before. That was a cut B-side from the last album I did. You'll get a digital comic that I wrote that was drawn by Ed Piscor, who is a, a former American Splendor Harvey Picar artist and who also does these brain rot comics on Boing Boing. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you'll get a little thank you sketch from my friend Chris Haley, who does Let's Be Friends Again.com, which is an awesome webcomic. And then around this whole event, I am going to be releasing my first music video, which I actually just wrapped last night. <laughs> uh, right on. While, while we're recording this, so about a week ahead of time. And it is the first music video. Again, everyone has asked me why I haven't done a music video. And the reason I didn't want to do one before is because I didn't want to do a music video that wasn't professional looking. Because I don't like doing stuff unless it's well done. You don't ever get a second chance to have your first video. And so we finally had some time and I finally hooked up with the right videographer. And it's going to be the most me on screen <laughs> that's ever happened. And it's so nerve-wracking because... I'm a guy that likes to hide behind the internet, so I've been told I should get out there and be more of a person and show my face and things like that. <laughs> really? Yeah, because you know why? It started when I started doing music on my site, I was still working, so uh -huh. I never had pictures, right? Oh, okay. And it allowed me this nice kind of insulation where I could always just be that guy who does this stuff and posts up MP3s from the dark, you know? Mm -hmm. And now it's this whole, like, to get to another level, I have to market myself as a person and blah, blah, blah. And it's so, like, lame, but it's true. That's interesting because in hip-hop as a whole, there certainly is a tendency to front. And I find your music actually really emotionally honest. And that's yeah. as well as the way you blog. You kind of feel, and you know, maybe it's all an act, and I'm, I don't know it, but <laughs> you, it I'm certainly a, seems very, like you're putting I'm, yourself out there, and that's honestly you. And the I'm Adam that you'll meet at the show is probably the same Adam that's at home. I'm a very highly functioning sociopath. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, you know, it's funny. I feel like the reason that I was able to be so honest is because I'm not as much of a person as I am, like, this cipher. There's this weird dissonance where you're like, 
here's a guy that's always made this music that I listen to, and now here's him in this four to five minute music video, and it's just all him. And I never thought that he looked like that, or he would move like that, or like you gotta like think of how cool you want to look versus how honest you want to look, and it's just like you feel very naked. But I'm very happy with it. Don't get me wrong. I'm very very happy with it. It's just this weird kind of uh, logical debate I have in my mind. But uh, but thank you. I'm glad that you think that my music is very honest. I've always said that I make like alternative music that just happens to be rapping because this is how I sing. Because I can't <laughs> do anything else. So like I would rather rap about indie emo stuff than be like talking about how many bitches I get, you know. <laughs> Which is not many at all, so <laughs> it would be pretty boring for me to write a wish fulfillment rap or something. Yeah, <laughs> I got two bitches <laughs> over two years. Yeah, not at once. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Clarify. You should clarify in the song that it's not at once. All right, man. Well, uh, one final question: We always ask all of our guests here on the Bone Bat Show, Adam, what pisses you off? <laughs> A lot of things piss me off, but I think the one thing that pisses me off is that, okay, so I went to South by Southwest this year, and I went to this panel on how to make money as an indie rapper or something like that, mm-hmm. and I only went to it because my friend was one of the people involved with uh, Brother Ali's band, Okay. and Brother Ali was on the panel, and he was there, and we were hanging out, so he's like, come to this panel, and we were like both sitting there at this panel, and we're like, this is a ridiculous panel, because... If this panel was worth anything, everybody should be at this panel, right? <laughs> you know, like everybody in the world should be here. But um, it was Brother Ali, Sky Zoo, who's a, an MC from New York, some guys associated with Rhyme Sayers, which is a really big indie label, and Dessa from Doomtree. And uh, Dessa is a female MC, singer, poet, teacher, NPR person. And she is a monster of a rapper. She's on this crew from Minneapolis, Doomtree, which you've never heard of them before. They're incredible. And they make this punk hip-hop, and they're this tight-knit crew, and she's amazing. Dessa is one of the most amazing artists, and she's somebody that I, like, if I met, I would be, like, trembly, you know? <laughs> and she was telling the story about all these different things that rappers do nowadays, if you are successful, is that you're asked to do business opportunities. Maybe you get asked to do graduation speeches. Maybe you get asked to do charity functions or whatever. And I think a lot of indie artists do a lot of weird things. You know, like you you get a lot of opportunities. And um, she told the story and she was saying how like her one bit of advice to everybody was, if you're asked to do something, don't take it unless you can fucking murder it. You know, like just destroy it, knock it out of the park. Because if you go do something where a rapper should not be and you phone it in to get a check, then you make all of hip-hop look bad because all these people will always associate with hip-hop this lazy awful experience and you will close the door on everybody else you will make the genre look bad not just you not just people associated with you or like you not just people on your level you make everybody look bad you know so the reason i tell that story is because the thing that pisses me off is that i get really frustrated with a lot of homophobia and misogyny that's in a lot of indie rap or nerdcore rap or whatever you want to call it. I'm not talking about anybody in particular. Mm-hmm. I just know that this is like really endemic in our culture. It's something I've talked about a lot with uh, some of my really good friends who also make nerdcore. And um, it's disappointing because unless your whole 
act is centered around being completely homophobic and misogynistic, which if, if it is, then there is probably a place for that. And I mean, if you put it out front, I guess that's cool and you can do that. But there are people who don't know what nerdcore is. There are people who don't think they like rap music. <laughs> a lot of my fans are fans who never liked rap before. And I'm not saying I'm some sort of revolutionary or whatever. I'm just saying that they probably haven't heard any other kind of rap and I probably got in because I have a weird background and I, they know somebody that I know and they, they forced them to listen to my music. <laughs> or, or we did a thing about Firefly and a bunch of people listened to our Browncoats mixtape who were like, well, I guess I'll listen to this even though I hate rap. And they loved it. <laughs> right on. And it's not just like those two things, homophobia and misogyny, because like those are obviously things that are very prevalent in a lot of places. But it's just like any way that you can be completely idiotic <laughs> as in like, and I know a lot of people make nerdcore because they're like, or make indie rap, or make bedroom rap, as my friend calls it, which is that you make your rap songs in your bedroom. Oh, um, sure. Like, I know a lot of people do it just so they can have fun and be goofy and stuff. But like, I always think of that Dessa quote, because I think it's one of the best quotes I've ever heard about music. Because it really is true. There's a lot of people who try really hard to be professional and like struggle really hard to like make things happen because they have a plan and they have a vision and they make really great art. But I think not just rappers, I think there's a lot of musicians and a lot of artists and creative types who make all other creative types look really bad. Mm -hmm. Sure. Whether it's because of offensive content or offensive personalities or just sheer laziness or irresp like irresponsibility. Like I think that that is something that I always attribute to that Dessa quote and say like, man, you know, you make the rest of us look bad because like some of us are really trying hard to do something. And like, I would never want to do something that makes other people, what I do look bad and call myself nerdcore because I don't want people to think like front a lot would be associated with something really, you know, offensive and completely disrespectful, you know, like, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. actually. And I think that, I don't know. There's this weird like cynicism that I think is really that pisses me off because I think it makes the rest of us look bad. And I think that if you just want to make fun and have fun with your friends and make really like offensive stuff, do it just like at a house party or something, you know, <laughs> like don't try to like be bigger than that because you're going to make the rest of the people look bad because there's so many people who I think don't get more publicity that make really great music and make really, really great art. So that's what pissed me off. That's my little soapbox. <laughs> I do think that it's a it's a concern because I think, especially in the web era, there's so many people that do web stuff that like for a while a lot of like web business development like never got taken seriously, but now they are all like taken seriously because there's people that act professional. And I think there's a lot of ways that like smaller indie music could be better if like more people raise their bar a little bit. And this has nothing to do with the quality content of your music. It has everything to do with just like how you conduct yourself as a person. Well um, spoken, sir. Well spoken. All right. Well, uh, once again, where can we find your stuff? Adam Warrock. That's like w the word war and the word rock. Two R's. TwoR's.com. We'll have everything. I I'm babble a lot on Twitter. And June 25th through July 2nd, I'm going to be inundating everybody with promo about this video <laughs> and donations i have songs from that album the mixtape album that are going to go up on other sites that are focused on video games or comics or tv or whatever so um i've been trying to keep quiet for these past couple weeks so if you uh miss me i'll be back and if you hate me i'm really sorry and i <laughs> i apologize in advance all right well uh, what song are we going to go out with tonight sir 
We are going to be listening to the first single off my newest album, You Dare Call That Thing Human. It's called 616. It's a comic book song, and I have a lot of fun doing it at shows where I force people to put hands in the air because I've hardwired it into the course of the song, so you have no choice <laughs> but to do it. I've got my hands in the air right now, man. Good. <laughs> Listen to the song. You obey the song. Pressing the pigs for all the villains. 
All right, once again, that was the tune 616, the big single from Adam's You Dare Call That Thing Human, which came out earlier this year. Once again, thank you to Adam for joining us on the show and for the great music. Yeah, thank you, Adam. And now, how about a little bit of multimedia triage? Multimedia triage. In which we talk about what we're digging on this week. Which is Prometheus. Prometheus. You saw it. I saw it. You liked it. I've actually seen it it twice now. Wow. Julie and I went and saw it uh, opening weekend in 3D. And then last weekend, we were like trying to figure out what to do on Friday night, hanging out. And, you know, it kind of to kick off Father's Day weekend. And it occurred to me, hey, you know what? We haven't been to the drive-in movies in a while. Why don't we go do that? And so uh, Prometheus happened to be playing on a double bill with Men in Black 3. And since you had talked that up, I wanted to check that out, too. And so uh, we went and saw a double bill Friday night. Ate way too much fucking candy. It was a great time. It was really fun to do, and I I hope to do it again this summer. But, uh, yeah, so I've seen Prometheus twice. So Prometheus is getting a lot of hate. and Jesus Christ, is it? And it's the movie is stupid. It doesn't make sense. It's got a really bad script. I don't get any of those criticisms. There are I, certainly I get the criticism, but it was still a really fun movie. You've got to move beyond those things. No, bullshit. I mean, you can't say it doesn't make sense just because you don't get it. Yeah, no, it, it does make sense. There's just a whole bunch of little, you know, if you think about it too hard, you're going to find a lot of problems with the movie. If yeah, you sit certainly. back and just watch it, you're going to have a good time. I thought that the casting and the acting was pretty impeccable for the most part. Having Guy Pierce as the, the old man role... I don't see why you don't just hire an old man. Oh, because in the the videos online that predated the movie, they show him as a young man delivering his, his TED speech and stuff. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh, I didn't know that. You didn't, you didn't watch the... No, I tried to avoid everything about it ahead of time, with the exception oh, of... Yeah, that was like a whole extra little part of the movie that the, just the, wasn't at the movie. With the exception of the David promotional video, I watched that, that kind of commercial for replicants but that was the only thing i watched i I wanted to go into it absolutely you know i even didn't like you go into everything absolutely ignorant the only thing i (laughs) thanks the (laughs) only thing i saw was i saw the trailers a couple of times at the theater and those got me psyched up so i was glad to go see it and you know quit complaining we're not we're not gonna we're not gonna have a little spoilery discussion about it no, it was too, it's still too new. I don't want to do a bunch of spoilers. Well, we can say spoiler alert and then tell them. All come right, back go ahead and wreck it for We don't have to. <laughs> Fine. I really liked that film, and I'm absolutely going to buy it on DVD when it comes out. I hope that there's a director's cut with 30 extra minutes and a bunch of other features and all that good stuff that you're talking about. So, Yeah, no. it'll be there. It'll yeah. be like the second release, though. The one that comes out at Christmas time, you'll buy. And then six months later, yeah, the one that, oh, that's the one I want. You'll hear about it here first on what pisses us off. Yeah, and you won't be able to play it on your Blu-ray player either. Probably not, because that's just how my computer rolls. Sons of bitches! All right, Man, what else? you know what? I, I saw a couple of uh, movies besides Prometheus. What's that? Both ends of the spectrum. I saw The Trip, starring Steve Coogan, who I like. He's He's a funny guy. He was the... The uh, teacher in Hamlet 2. He was the director in Tropic Thunder, too, as well. Wasn't he? he was the director in Tropic Thunder. Yeah, and the, the premise for this is it's sort of a buddy picture where these guys are going to go around England together eating at fine restaurants and talking about food and hijinks will ensue. 
absolutely terrible movie. Oh, is that the one that had the in the trailer? It was like them all imitating Michael Caine. Yes. Yeah, and that's about the point in the movie where I think I threw the remote control. <laughs> Just t- terrible, terrible movie. Okay. I didn't even get through the whole thing. So, the next movie I watched was Hard Candy. Have you seen that? Yeah, I've seen that. I, th- I thought that was a disturbing movie. Yeah, it's pretty fucked up. Especially yeah. at the end, because you don't know you don't know what was behind that. No. I'll tell you how it starts. But uh, a very, very young-looking Ellen Page is a 14-year-old, seemingly impressionable girl who is hooking up with a guy that, by all signs, appears to be a pedophile. Mm -hmm. And the whole beginning of the movie is him, like, just soft-pedaling, luring her into his house. And it only gets more disturbing from there. So, you know, if you want to watch a terrible Needl- movie, watch Needless to say, there are twists. Yes, <laughs> twists. There are some twists. And it's, uh, yikes. It's well, a yikes the, movie. And the, the guy in it, uh, he's the guy who played the Night Owl in Watchmen, right? Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. And he was, oh shit, he was the dad of Shaw in Prometheus. He was the dad of Shaw. He was Shaw. Elizabeth Shaw's dad when David is watching oh, The Dreams. Wow. He was the dad. Oh, what a trip. You're right. Well, I wish I would have been able to tie that all together ahead of time. I would have sounded like I really had my act together. You would have sounded really smart. I would have sounded like you. <laughs> yeah, well, we all can't be me. Speaking all of right. stuff that's Speaking depressing, Julie and I have been trying frantically to catch up with Breaking Bad. Before, we only have like 60 or Before episodes, the fifth right? episode. Yeah, the fifth episode, our fifth season starts in July. And I think we only have 39 more episodes to go. jeez. Oh, and you're absolutely right. It is an amazing series. And the acting in it is incredible. But Jesus, watching them back to back to back, it sort of just does something to your soul. Because it's so much negative shit happening to people. That you kind of walk out of it just going, I'm going to have bad dreams tonight, man. <laughs> Which is surprising. Uh, you'd think that a series about cancer and meth would be more upbeat. Yeah, I'd rather watch a zombie movie, frankly, <laughs> right before bed. Just as a little, you know, palate cleanser for my poor shattered psyche. But holy shit, is it good. A little and sorbet for your psyche before bedtime. Brian Cranston is just amazing. He just... Eats the screen. God, he is so good. yes, he does. It's tremendous. The whole cast is great. It's interesting. The guy who plays uh, Hank, that cop guy. Mm-hmm. Like I go from thinking he is an absolute dick to liking him to hating him again. Yeah, the character of Tuco was absolutely terrifying. Yeah, he was a messed up cat. And just wow, what a series. So yeah, I'm really enjoying it. But man, it's a challenge. Uh, what else? Oh, this was kind of interesting. So uh, last week you had recommended the book The Sisters Brothers by Patrick DeWitt on the show. Right. And uh, I realized that I actually had a copy here that uh, our, my friend Andy had lent me and I, I hadn't gotten around to reading it. It's on the top of my pile. But uh, before I realized that, I was, looking, I was looking it up online. Which pile? Yeah. My pile of books to read? What? Oh, yeah, well, I mean, you've got numerous piles of books to read. I was just wondering. <laughs> I guess so. So I was looking it up on Amazon so that I could link back to the show notes, you know, so people could buy it. And it was interesting because it'll list, like, stuff that's kind of like that, if you like Sisters Brothers. 
and the uh, title that was immediately next to it was, interestingly enough, Backdoor Brother by Raminar Dixon. <laughs> Raminar what? Where? And if you click on Backdoor Brother, you got... I, I assume you did immediately. <laughs> yeah, of course, because I didn't even believe that that was a real book. I found Backdoor with my hot uncle from the, oh God. From the Forbidden DP series. <laughs> 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 that Isn't kills that a me. Isn't company, DP Oil? <laughs> it, it, it kills oh, me no. that there's that's actually, a, that that's a series. Forbidden DP is a series. As opposed to the, what, approved DP series? <laughs> and if that wasn't disturbing enough, Banging My Drunk Sister by Genevieve De Beers. <laughs> <laughs> and Sorry It Just Slipped In by Askrew. <laughs> or maybe that's A-Screw. I don't know. <laughs> but, wow. You know, How many of these books did you buy? Or did I, you already have them in another pile? <laughs> yeah, my friend Andy had lent them all to me, oddly <laughs> enough. No, but the interesting thing is that Amazon has a CD underbelly that I had no idea of. Interestingly enough, too, the other story that it got linked to was Granny in the Hole. <laughs> <laughs> kidding, kidding, Derek. Wow, it's coming full circle. <laughs> coming full circle. I said that. You said that. So anyway, yeah, be careful what you search for on Amazon is all I have to say. Yes, about that. lesson learned. <laughs> all right, well, why don't we listen to another tune now? Uh, this one is a single recently released by uh, Adam Warrock. And I got to say, I'm it depresses me that we have to keep kind of giving eulogies on the show that awesome people keep dying. Last week, Ray Bradbury passed away, which, you know, I grew up reading Fahrenheit 451 and the Illustrated Man and Halloween Tree the uh, as a lot of the listeners know I used to work for a book company and the first book signing I ever did working at a bookstore in Los Angeles was with Ray Bradbury and it was an absolute train wreck it was a situation where like whoever was supposed to order stock didn't and we had like four paperback books to oh god and there was no advertising, so nobody knew about it. And so it was terrible because nobody showed up to the signing. But the wonderful thing was I got to spend an hour chatting with Ray Bradbury. And he was telling just these amazing stories about how he and Dr. Seuss and L. Ron Hubbard used to go get drunk at this bar in a hotel at Hollywood and Vine. And that one of the stories was that uh, L. Ron Hubbard bet them in the bar one night that he could start a religion. Huh. I guess he won that bet. And, you know, it was just he was telling all of these great stories about the early days of his career and everything else. And it was really fantastic. My friend Dan, who worked for the bookstore as well, was there. And it, it was just a really amazing experience. And so I was really sad to hear that Ray Bradbury passed away. And uh, interestingly enough, because he does a song about everything... Adam Warrock released one as well this week. So check this out. This is F451. Your mind is all over the place. There's no thought. The metaphors are scattered. You have the feeling that you're thinking, but you're not thinking. Huh? So what I put in Fahrenheit is illustrated every night on television. Uh, if you die, you've got to be awfully famous to deserve more than 15 seconds. Huh? Born in 1920, Waukegan, Illinois, a little boy who read books from out the past with War of the Worlds, the time machine, warlord of Mars that would improve. 
influence his future creating classics Gone to school, he would write and let his talents dwell He wore them Coke bottle glasses, couldn't see it well And on a typewriter, he let his fingers tell A story about a fireman when the heat would swell Taught me how to read sci-fi and treasure that And fight against censorship, never that And he showed me what dystopia meant Better that we live in, in the world we should want Let's get it back And though heroes must die, though their stories may last I know that reading class was never half as fun Except when Mr. Bradbury was a part of that Rest in peace Cause now your story's done And he taught me to look straight in the sun rays And he taught me that we'd see space one day And if this is how I'm spending my sunny days Reading a book under the shade in time I'm never gonna waste Science is fiction and fiction is fact And then the future's still intact With these tombs from the past And even though his life is done I will keep the story safe Fahrenheit 451 And the rockets took off and gave Ohio the summer And we watched Yellow Trap with her husband One of many people whose thoughts they heard Slowly change their ways till they seem more like human beings running From the cops cause he demanded something Paying his tax dollars with the rocket engines rumbling I see the shine, the moon be still as bright When at night we see the future through the eyes of a man who summoned Imagination bubbling Children on the belt, the preset missionaries from Martians Time travel ink help you escape hardship On no particular night or morning the city smoking As the visitor quarantined to keep them from provoking their imagination wild That's where we see our minds in the pages we find And dog ears folded inside to outer space, we'll keep the books safe. I'll keep them in a dry place. And he taught me to look straight in the sun rays. And he taught me that we'd see space one day. And if this is how I'm spending my sunny days, reading a book under the shade in time, I'm never gonna waste. Science is fiction, the fiction is fact. And then the future's still intact with these tombs from the past. And even though his life is done, I will keep the story safe. Fahrenheit 451. Once again, thank you, Ray Bradbury, for all the great reading. So, dude, you got a political rant this week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure if you've approached the Internet lately, you've seen the story about Michigan State Representative Lisa Brown getting shut down, silenced, unable to speak on the floor by House uh, Michigan House Speaker James what is it, Bolger. Why? She, was she being a bitch? <laughs> she was being a fucking bitch. <laughs> and you don't need to hear skirts talking. <laughs> yeah, we'll continue once you get yourself under control. I'll kind of backtrack. Oh, God. No, what's wrong with you? It's because she said the word vagina while discussing uh, an abortion bill. Oh, yeah, they, really? They, you can't yeah. use the actual scientific words for... Oh, that's right. It was probably a Republican who complained. Huh? Yeah, well, yeah. It was It was the Republicans pushing forth the bill, and then they went and said vagina instead of the, the nasty place or whatever you're supposed to say. <laughs> so she got silenced. You know, can't talk on the floor. And then some of uh, the speakers... So how, how can they silence her? I mean, don't you do like Jimmy Stewart and Mr. Smith goes to Washington and fucking like stand up and keep talking? How do they silence you? I hope she's well, I, I think a what gr- they did is they turned on Desperate Housewives across the room. <laughs> she got distracted by it. <laughs> you are wrecking my political rant. <laughs> Here I was being empowering about women shouldn't take no shit. 
You are the one who is Great. First denigrating. No, damn it. I'm trying to do a pro-vagina monologue here. Oh, please. Carry, uh, so, carry forth. Mike Carlton? Carlton? I don't know. Another Republican said that... Uh, the word vagina is such a disturbing word that he would never use it in the presence of women or mixed company. What? So, I No, these guys are like the Taliban. They're just freaking cavemen. That guy's an asshole. They, yes. <laughs> probably can't say that either. <laughs> no, you can't say sphincter. You can say asshole. Right. You can say asshole. You can't say sphincter. Especially a woman. Thank speaker. God, here on the Bone Bat Show, where we still practice freedom of speech. That's right, vagina, 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 sphincter. <laughs> where was I going with it? I don't know. I, I guess my point is, if you can't say the word, you shouldn't be allowed to legislate it. I, I said it when George W. Bush was trying to pronounce nuclear, and I'm saying it now. When you, you won't say the word vagina, I'm sorry. You just shouldn't be in charge of it in any way, shape, or form. Speaking of utter nonsense, I couldn't help but notice that Congress still can't pass any kind of a comprehensive highway system funding bill. You know, those roads that are all going to shit and we can't pay to fix them. But here's the thing. People are driving less. Cars are more efficient. So we're using less, fewer gallons of gas. And those pennies we get per gallon, are, you know, there's fewer pennies because there's fewer gallons. So... We're collecting fewer taxes to fund the highway system. But uh, once again, Republicans, they won't increase the rate of taxation to bring the overall amount back where it needs to be because that would be raising taxes, even though the number won't. Fuck, I just hate everything. You know what else I hate? (laughs) Speaking of roads, I hate, have I even talked about this before, traffic circles. You encounter a traffic circle. Here's how it works. You, you approach it, you wait for an opening, you get in. Once you're in the traffic circle, you don't stop to let other cars in. If you stop, then you mess everything up. Once you're inside, you have the right of way. If you stop, people will crash into you from behind, and you will die, and you will go to the same hell as the people go to when they stop on highway off-ramps for no freaking reason and to get in car crashes and die. If you don't know how it works, you shouldn't be let. Ah, I don't even know. Where was I going with this? So you get into the the roundabout, and then you go around it until you build up enough centrifugal force to exit. That's right. Don't stop. <laughs> I always have the urge to just keep going. Sometimes I do that. Because if you do, if you go fast enough, go, oh, what are you doing? if you go fast laugh. enough, you'll just pop and go into a different dimension. It's like going over the swings. Wow, I got to do that. Yeah, you got to do that. That is the shit. That was the most messed up political rant ever. I don't even know what that was. That was a political can't train wreck. <laughs> the thing is, I you know I'm thinking about highways and really roads and nothing stuff. political can't. That was funny. <laughs> God. Nothing. Not even a la- not even a chuckle. It was almost like last week when you were trying to fuck with me when I was trying to do my discussion of zombie. Oh, and, when you and kept Matul. with Matul. And I wouldn't laugh no matter what. You're, you're getting back at me now, aren't you? I am, yeah. See? See how you are? Vengeful. <laughs> All right, dude. Filthy jokes? <laughs> Let's hope this goes better. <laughs> well, it depends on your joke, I guess. All right. You want me to go first or you go first? Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. You know, I, I enjoyed doing the Johnny joke last week, so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll with that, I think. All right. One day, Johnny returns home from school, and... 
he is forced to tell his dad that he got an F in arithmetic. Why, asked his father. Well, the teacher asked, how much is two times three? I said six. But that's right. Then she asked me, how much is three times two? What's the fucking difference? I know, that's what I said. <laughs> yeah, that was good. All right, so Bob is upstairs sitting on the can. Jane's in the kitchen cooking. And there's a knock on the door. So Jane goes to answer the door. And there's Fred. Fred goes, hello, Jane. Well, hello, Fred. Hey, is Bob around? Uh, no, he's uh, indisposed at the moment. So Fred looks at her. He goes, Jane, right now, if you show me your tits, I'll give you $100. She goes, what? No, serious, right now. Pulls out $100 bill out of his wallet, snaps it. Come on, what do you say? No one's going to know the difference. He stops things for a second. What the heck? Flashes him. Gives him a good old eyeful. Here you go, he says. Hands her the hundred bucks. Wow, she thinks. Closes the door. Stuffs the hundred dollars into her pocket. I'm going to buy myself something nice. Right then, Bob comes downstairs. Hey, who was at the door anyway? Oh, it was Fred. Ah, do you have that hundred bucks he owes me? (laughs) I like that. That's good. I like it, too. All right, thank yous. I'd like to thank, of course, Adam Warrock for joining us this episode. Thank you, Adam. It was an absolute pleasure chatting with him. Once again, go pick up some of his music at adamwarrock.com. By the way, the uh, singles album that I mentioned earlier, I believe it's only six bucks, has the Starving Artist tune on it. So, bonus, right? Bonus. What else? Boner. (laughs) Boner. I'd like to thank Fog, Beepster, and Cactus Music from the Cakewalk Forums for helping me with my computer travails this afternoon. (laughs) (laughs) They made this podcast happen, so we owe them a big thank you. Thank you. Our usual bullshit. You can reach the show by phone at 425-296-6557 or via email to steve at bonehand.com. We've got new content on bonehand.com every Sunday, including the heavy half hour on non-bone bat weeks. You can find my cartoons at mightywombat.com every Thursday, a new cartoon. I'm actually pretty good about putting them up again. Yeah, you've And been... you can follow me on Twitter when I occasionally twit at mighty underscore wombat. You can find me over on Twitter as well. I'm bonehand over there. Or you can follow our bone bat feed. And we also have a dedicated Facebook page where you will be finding free shit all the time, jokes, cartoons from Gord, all kinds of great stuff. Go over there and like it, because you will. And thank you, of course, for listening. If you like what we do, please tell a friend. We have one last tune this episode. Dude, you requested this one, so why don't you tell the folks about it? Well, it's Ira Glass. Who is the father of podcasting? And if he's not the father, he should be. Because This American (laughs) Life is the best podcast on the internet. Check out this song. Once again, I'm Steve. This is Gord. Have a good one. I've got a great one. Mr. Glass, the 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 the
To the light with my voice is the weapon and holding on to the mic and I recount my story stepping through my history my father worked the chemical plant till the factories closed and my family moved camp so we're down south I learned that the color of my skin could have set the tone for everything uncovered within and reflect on how we all can relate to each other we feel as though we brothers and sisters coming from different mothers individuals living on this planet together and holding up our umbrellas and combating the stormy weather like making music telling stories with words so you listen in your headphones to the stories you're As I stroll throughout the timeline of life gone past And it's like when I do my thing And so I regret In this American life We're all bearing the strife We inherited from our parents as we prepared for life I think back how life moves so fast And it's like when I do my thing And so I regret Radio, somebody loves you still Though they broke your will Cause technology kills The video star was hot for a minute Until the internet took it over Now we listen for thrills And broadcast up in your podcast Still we never lost that Love and feeling got that After stations lost that Music melts with memories Till it's heavenly And coaxial cables transmit Ira Glass is telling me With no apology Emotional resonance And hesitant with technology The future is present Living in the machine You're just lucky to know That life is lived through Similar experiences You grow Into the person that you want to be This life isn't over Just because somebody said You're too old So move over It's a similar struggle That we all feel And heavy And so when I'm tuning in I'm feeling better already Just making music Telling stories with words So you listen in your headphones to the stories you heard As I stroll throughout the timeline of life gone past And it's like when I do my thing And so I regret In this American life We're all bearing the strife We inherited from our parents As we prepared for life I think back how life moves so fast And it's like when I do my thing And so I regret Just a skinny kid Who is busy reading the Indian Glasses with thicker rims A mind that's staying busy with Learning from civilians About things he could have never did But would have done Just if he lived the lives of those experienced We pass the stories down through history critical Cause before we felt the pages Now we listen in digital And no matter your voice And no matter your name You do your thing like Ira Glass And baby it's all game you start out talking to others And you live in their pain Listen to their victories And you give them a name And give every show a theme And produce it to death In the end you tell the human condition In one breath Cause this American life We're all paying the price And hoping that our legacy Can be the reason we fight And it's whether you make a difference In the big or the small And when I see it on my iTunes I'm pressing play all Just making music Telling stories with words So you listen in your headphones To the stories you heard As I stroll throughout the timeline Of life gone past And it's like when I do my thing And so I regret In this American life We're all bearing the strife We inherited from our parents As we prepared for life I think back how life moves so fast And it's like when I do my thing And so I regret I bet you didn't even know the whole time Steve isn't wearing any pants. I know. it's. You might think that's creepy now in retrospect. but I put on pants. <laughs> I'm not even joking because I was just hanging out with my boxers and I was like, uh, I'm going to put on pants because it makes me feel more comfortable. You see, because, yeah, if you hadn't wore pants, you bring down all the nerdcore. <laughs> <laughs>